It's great to be at Grassroots this morning. Like one of the things that happens when you're pastoring a church is that you, Sunday morning is you're on duty and you're at your church. And I, I relate to other pastors, other, I know a number of you from outside the church, but uh, never go anywhere Sunday morning until you retire and then you don't know what's going to happen next. So it's good to be with you and uh, trusting the Lord's blessing on our time together. Uh, thanks for the worship. Uh, I've been aware of the, the tragedy that you guys have been through. Our prayers are with you. We believe that the body of Christ is a healing agent. And it's not always easy to know how to be that body. You know, the, the scripture says if one part of your body hurts, the whole body is in pain. And so just pray that you guys know how to minister life to each other as you work through uh, this season of uh, grieving and working through tragic loss. And... Um, um, this morning, and my, I don't know if you're like me, but I find that we, as you walk out your faith journey, it can be a complex time. Uh, we have so much media. There's so many things that come at you now. Like I, we enjoy podcasts, and we travel. We're list, I listen to, if I go an hour, I listen to two messages, and then I can switch speakers next time and get two more, and Everybody that speaks has a little different philosophy. It's not like you're in the body of Christ where you get you have this uh, one leader teaching you. You get, you get all this stuff coming at you. It can get very confusing. And uh, a lot of philosophies, a lot of different belief systems. And I think sometimes we get confused in that we lose the simplicity of our faith. At least that's my struggle with times. You know, there's a lot of things come at you. But today I want to talk about the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. And this unnamed centurion uncovered some very simple, powerful truths that I'd like to look at today. What the centurion knew. I'd just like to pray before we go on. Father, I pray that you would speak this word into our lives this morning. We know your word is a living word, and we trust you, Lord, to um, just make it real. Don't let it just be religious, but let it be real as we look to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the centurion, Jesus, or Matthew goes from Sermon on the Mount, all the, the, de the details of how to live out our faith according to his values. And then Matthew records in chapter 8 this encounter with the centurion, who is somewhat of an anomaly to me. Like centurions are rough, brutal military guys. They're the ones that were going to nail Jesus Christ to the cross. And they're trained to not have feelings. They're trained to be enforcers to kill, those kind of things. And this guy, something different about him, got this servant at home. Servants should be a dime a dozen. You know, they're the lowest of, of the pecking order. But this guy has a compassion for his servant. And he can't do anything about it. In his world of power, he, he has nothing he can do to help his servant. And um, the centurion uncovers... Some very powerful spiritual reality I could look at this morning. Let's go to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I don't know why I bring them anymore. Everybody does electronic stuff. But uh, this is Matthew chapter 8, um, starting at verse 5. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. 
The centurion replied, Lord, I did not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Okay, so the centurion, Jesus says, I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. And that's pretty high affirmation for a military guy from who Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, peace saying, this guy's got something I haven't found in all of Israel. And the mystery is that somehow rather this centurion tapped into the spiritual reality of who Jesus was. And I'm amazed that a centurion could recognize this ordinary Jewish person, Jesus, who was so ordinary that even John the Baptist wasn't sure if this was the Messiah, um, sees something in him that he cannot, in his military world, he cannot achieve. And uh, he didn't, while, while the whole Jewish world is missing their Messiah, this centurion recognizes something in him and is drawn to him. It's a mystery to me. Now, I've thought already, you know, if I were living when Jesus Christ is on the earth, would I have been those that detected that, like the centurion, this guy's got something, or would I have been like the religious world that, that wrote him off? And I think, to be fair, I probably would have been among the religious of the people today that miss him, I, I think. I don't know. You can make that judgment. But, and I think that, that there would be some forgiveness for people that were like the Apostle Paul, like the worship leaders, they were so zealous for what they knew to be truth. You know, you're doing everything you can with what you know to be truth, and you miss the Messiah. I think it would have been forgivable if that happened. I think that's probably why the Apostle Paul was called later, because he was so zealous. But... I don't think after the cross and resurrection, I don't think there's any forgiveness for missing that because that is a historical fact. Uh, it's truth. And our world today is missing Jesus Christ with all that evidence. So uh, I, I think I might have missed it the first time, but I hope I wouldn't miss it on the evidence of the cross. But the centurion recognizes Jesus Christ and recognizes what Israel doesn't. And I think in some ways what our church world may be missing this morning is that Jesus Christ has full authority over time and space and physical elements of our world. And he says, help me, Lord, my servant is in terrible suffering, not worthy to have you come under my roof. I'm a man under authority. I tell my servants to go, and they go. I tell them to come, come. So don't come to my house. Just say that, just say the words, and you have the power to heal my servant. Um, so the first thing the centurion knows is what he wasn't 
authorized to do. He, knew, he knows that he can't say to this disease or this paralysis his servant has, he, he can't say go and it goes, but he knows who is authorized. He knows that Jesus Christ has authority. And I think today that sometimes we separate faith from um, this idea of being authorized. We, we think faith is like a leap of faith where I believe something that's hard to believe. Anybody ever feel that way? You're, you're supposed to believe something you can't. So, well, take a leap of faith. Well, I believe that the centurion is tapping into something that is much more concrete, much more absolute than that. And the centurions know that Jesus has absolute authority to heal. Just speak the word. My, you don't have to go. Just speak the word. You have authority to do that like I have authority to say to my servants, go. Now, one of the things that in our day-to-day living, we want, if you want something to happen, something to move, you have to find somebody who is authorized to do what you need to have done, right? If I take my car to get fixed, I want to know that that guy understands Nissan. I don't care if he knows anything about Hondas, but I want to know that he can be authorized to fix my car. Okay, somebody has to, I, I, I'm a cheapskate, <clears throat> and uh, I had this Jeep that was kind of worn out. The engine went bad, and so I bought this used engine, and I went on the internet, mistake number one, to find a mechanic, <laughs> and I found this, real, this guy really cheap, and I'm cheap, so I thought, well, yeah, he can change my motor, and he guaranteed to be running at my front door. So I took him way out. In the, I hope this guy's not here this morning. I just thought, had a horrible thought he might be here. <laughs> Dragged my Jeep way out in the country. This guy, for one week goes by, hear nothing. Two weeks go by, I try to call him. His, his answer machine's full, full. That's a bad sign right there. Third week, he says, I call him. He says, Ken, I, I can't get this engine to run. There might be a bad engine. <clears throat> so I knew it. So I borrowed a trailer, went back out and drove back in the city, paid another $800 to get somebody to fix what he had broken. He was not an authorized mechanic. So I want somebody authorized to do what I need done in my life. We get unauthorized help, you're in trouble. Um, about a little over a year ago, Sondra and I were traveling to the States, and we uh, ended up in Illinois and driven about 11 hours. I was really tired and grouchy, and our car was covered with salt, so I told Sonda we have to get a car wash. So she said, well, right there's one. There's laundromat in the front, automatic car wash in the back. So drove around back, seemingly fully automatic. I put my credit card in, pulled it out. The lights start flashing. Take your foot off the brakes. Uh, don't accelerate. Don't do your wipers. I don't know what whole list of things. And so I started, I took my foot off the brake. The car started rolling forward. But I noticed that it wasn't pulling us through the car wash. It was, we were rolling. And so this big pile of uh, that bubble gum soap, you know, covers my whole car. But nothing else is happening. So I thought, this thing isn't working. So I put my window down and backed up just in time to trigger another whole round of soap coming in my window and my new coat and on my dash. And I wasn't, I didn't say bad words, but I was close. So then I put my window back up and we started rolling forward again. Still not being pulled in another whole layer of soap. By now, you, we're in a whole different world, like a little cocoon we can't hear or see. And I'm not putting my window down. I'm not doing anything except I'm going to see what happens. So we're rolling forward. And Saunders said, there's car lights right beside my window. I said, well, somebody must be in the parking lot. So we kept rolling a little bit farther. And she said, turn the wipers on. I said, I'm not supposed to turn them on. I'm not doing anything. And so finally turned them on. Here we're, she says, we're in somebody's front lawn. And literally, we had crossed, we were sitting across the highway, and there's a mailbox right there. 
And so I put my window down. Now we've blocked four lanes of commuter traffic, two each way and the, in the rush hour. And uh, so we got off the street, went around back. And here there, I, I thought, what is going to say? I looked inside. Here's a young guy, obviously in charge of the car wash, who has these headphones on playing video games. So I then said, do you run the car wash? He says, yeah, what's the problem? So <laughs> another whole site. Then he starts the machinery. Everything works perfect after he hits the buttons. And uh, we got the car washed and went on our way. And the, the, my point in all that is that he was authorized by somebody to run the car wash. I was making an unauthorized trip to the car wash. And in our faith, it's possible for us to miss the authority, you know, the, the person that is supposed to be pushing the buttons. And um, in, in this area of authority, we, we are scared of authority today because we've seen so much abuse of, especially in the church world. Like every day, there's some new story about abuse of power in the church world, abuse of authority, and it's become a very negative, bad word for us. And so we, I think we've lost the meaning of the word, the, the kingdom meaning. Um, you know what? I forgot my PowerPoint. Sorry. That's the car wash guy. <laughs> this is what Winston Churchill says. In wartime, truth is so precious that she should always be attended by a bodyguard of lies. And I think this word of, this word of authority, I like the word authorized better. It's more, the, it sort of captures the meaning of what I'm saying, but uh, authority is hidden behind a, a bodyguard of lies. And when Jesus Christ operates in authority, he, he's authorized to bring life to us today. And he has to have authority. That we, he can't be an unauthorized person in our world. So the centurion knew what he wasn't authorized to do, and he knew what Jesus was authorized to. He knew that Jesus had authority to heal his servant. And so his faith operated on, not on some mythological, nebulous thing, some prophet from the world, but he knew who Jesus Christ was, and Jesus Christ had authority to heal his servant. And, his ser and, it, and Jesus responded to that um, by saying, yeah, your servant will be healed. And the cool thing is that servant, laying at home, didn't, I don't know if he ever heard of Jesus, I don't know if he ever... Um, prayed. I know he didn't know the scriptures probably. I don't know what the New Testament was written, but he gets healed instantly. He does nothing. And that's where as we begin to let Jesus Christ operate in his authority, there's stuff happens in our realm. It's very powerful and very real. Um, now the thing is that Jesus knew that um, his authority came from the Father. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself he can do what? Only what he sees his father doing. Jesus was very careful to operate within his father's will because that's where his authority came from. If he's unauthorized, and whenever he's in the wilderness and Satan is tempting him, you know what's going on? Satan is doing everything to try to get Jesus to operate in unauthorized authority, and he's promising all kinds of rewards, and Jesus detects every time. Now, this is not my father's will. This is, not gonna, this is not how you operate. Uh, and so Jesus stays, he, Jesus stays in his Father's will, and that's where his authority comes from. Um, and Jesus said to us, he said that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, 
be cast into the sea. Anybody ever read that? Most, most pastors say, well, it doesn't really mean you're not going to cast any mountains. It just means the mountains in your life. You know, I've heard that we kind of let everything off the hook because we don't want to expect the sleeping giant to get rolled into Lake Superior if we pray. We don't think that's ever going to happen. It's probably not. You know why it's not? Because God has not authorized you or I to, to do that. If, we, if he said, go cast the sleeping giant, you could, you could go do it and it would happen, but we're not authorized. So that's what we need. We always make sure that we're checking, am I authorized to do this? And if we are, we need to move in obedience. Like we, we read of the giants of faith, like um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those guys, and they, they did tremendous things operating in faith, but always with a clear mandate <clears throat> from God that you're to walk this way, you're to leave home, you're to take your son up the mountain. You know what? If I'm going to take my son up the mountain to offer him up, I want to be very, very sure that I didn't have a dream, that I didn't have some idea. I, I want some absolute truth that I am authorized by God to do that. And I think today, I want to call us back to the idea where, where you're authorized by, the, by your Heavenly Father to operate in His will. You can go to prayer. Uh, you can exercise your faith. You can change things around you because it's God's will. It's His plan. And we need to understand it this morning that you're authorized as believers. Um, the centurion knew what our authorized faith will do. And sometimes we miss that today because we're afraid um, of that word authority, and we're afraid of, you know, where that might take us. But you are, as believers, as born-again, blood-bought, purchased believers this morning, you, there's authority that comes from the Father to bring to your world the kingdom of God, to, to see that happen in a way that I'm, I'm not too sure that we're operating in that realm this morning. Um, and the question is, what is it in my life, in my ministry, in my home, in my job? What are, where are things like the centurion's servant was suffering? He didn't like being at home. He didn't like watching suffering. And his home's not in order a lot of times. So he goes looking for Jesus to bring order to his world. And I think the question for us this morning, where, what is it in, in my marriage, in my home, at my job, that is out of order, it's not under the kingdom, it's not bringing kingdom life, and what does Jesus authorize me to pray and walk in truth and bring life to my situation? Like I, um, when you're in ministry, uh, the enemy comes after your marriage, your family, comes after your finance, a lot of things that, that uh, can be chaotic. Sunday mornings, if you're Keith's not here, but uh, Sunday mornings are awful for pastors. I don't know what, what happens, but we have, pastors get this thing called PMS, pre-message stress, and, uh, <laughs> and things go wrong. The kids are, Sunday morning's awful. But there were seasons in our marriage where um, we were both trying to flow in the kingdom, but there would be this dark uh, thing come over our marriage where she'd be upset at me and I'd be upset at her and we, when that was happening you know, we, we had this inner lawyer you know what that is where you're you're defending yourself you got this inner lawyer that says well she always does this 
And she never does this, and it's always been this way. I, just, I don't know what to do with this. And I realized one day I woke up, she's doing the same thing for me. She got the same lawyer offering, you know. And I realized we'd spent about two weeks. The kids don't know it. We're still functional, but there's something really wrong in my house. You know, it's not right. And when I began to discover um, what was going on, I just I did this warfare prayer. I said, Satan, you are not invited into my house. I am, I am authorized this is my house. I am authorized to love my wife. I'm authorized to bring life to my family. And it's not happening. And, and you're out of here. And I ask, you, I ask you, Lord, to give me the Holy Spirit. Breathe life back into my marriage, into my home. And I could, uh, Sonic can witness this. I could, when I began to uncover that thing, that I was authorized to do that, I could watch things change within about half an hour. And that darkness would lift off. We'd see a whole change in the spiritual atmosphere. And it's where the Lord was trying to teach me some things that if I'm authorized, like all of you have a critical role. Sometimes as parents, uh, it gets really scary raising teenagers. Uh, they, at some point, teenagers know a lot more than dad. And I don't know why that's so intimidating, but uh, when we were in seminary, I had this task of I had to make disciples, and, I, and we were new in the area. I didn't know anybody. They said, well, you can do your kids. So took on my youngest son. And uh, so Sunday morning, we go back in the bedroom and sit. He'd sit in the chair. I'd sit in the chair. I discipled him for about six months. And that's the most intimidating thing I've ever done. I don't know why it was so intimidating, but it just was. Like, teenagers are intimidating. But, I would, but as a dad, I'm authorized to raise my kids and to disciple them. And if I'm not functioning that, there's something, there's something wrong in my home. I need to know that, yeah, it's intimidating, but, but the Lord has given me what I need to do. Anything that's of the kingdom is going to be scary and stretch, your, and stretch you out of your comfort zone. You still with me? <laughs> I can't see you. There's something about that light. I can't see you. <laughs> I'm used to having people sort of feedback, but I can't. My, I got glare. Um, but... Um, there's places in your life this morning where things are not in order. You know that. And you're not sure who's in control. You're not sure what to do about it. But God's authorized you like nobody else. If you're a mom, uh, God's authorized you to raise your kids. If you're on, on the job scene, you're authorized to bring order and life to that job scene. Like our whole world functions when things come into order. When there's disorder and chaos, <clears throat> that's not kingdom. It's not God. Okay, so we are authorized by God to bring life to our families, life to our churches. Some of you are walking leadership roles here, and you're wondering, Lord, how in the world, how can I do that? I'm, so con I'm confused. Like, there's so many ideas. Like, there's trouble. When you go to prayer and say, Father, no, um, the centurion understood that, that Jesus authorized, what he was authorized to do, and we're authorized in these areas to bring life to someone, whether you're a worship leader, teaching kids, whether you're mom, what is it, job? Whatever it is, you're authorized by God to do that. And that's, I think that's the thing that I really wanted to, tr I felt in my own spirit that that's where God was trying to reinforce something in me, that you're called to bring life to this city, to a specific realm. And the problem is sometimes we get, if we start functioning in areas where we're not authorized, okay, sometimes we see somebody else's gift and we say, well, I want to be that guy. I want to be 
whatever it is, the mechanic or the pastor or the, and I'm not authorized, like it's, 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 it's an iniquity. It doesn't bring life. And if you're trying to function in an area where you're coveting somebody else's gift, that's one of the things we need to do in the body. We need to say, you got a gift, you know. You, you don't see it, but you're, you're called, you're a prophetic kind of a guy or you're a teacher or you're, you bring life to me when you do this. If we could learn to call that out of this room, the, the, the body of Christ would flourish. And we, give, we authorize somebody. What we do, we leave people with this ambition. They want to do something good, but they don't know what it is, so they step into unauthorized roles and, start, and it brings chaos instead of life. There's nothing worse in a church have people operating in unauthorized authority. I don't know if that's a good word or not, but that's what happens in churches. You get people that, that they go to war because they have this position that they really believe is right, but they're not authorized to do that. And so we need to be careful. Uh, Jesus said, this is, this is where you get your authority. Ask anything in my name, I will do it. All right, that's pretty broad. Um, do you know what the catch is there? It's when, he's, when you pray... When he says, in my name, it's like he's the one signing the check. All right? So if it's outside of his will, he's not going to sign the check. Okay? So when you say, ask anything in my name, I will do it. It's in my name. It's for my sake, for my kingdom. And so that, that's the, the condition in that promise. Anything in my name. And so, but that's a pretty broad, broad pretty wide open promise for you this morning. This is another verse that has been life-giving to me. I just want to leave, leave this with you. I can't, the only thing I can't tell is what time it is. Does anybody know what time it is? Or, <laughs> okay, so how much time do I have yet? Uh, okay. Well, Keith, Keith told me someone gave you too short and you felt ripped off, so I want you to get your money's worth this morning. <laughs> but I really have lost track. I'm sorry about that. But I need to do this yet. Uh, this has been a life-giving verse for me. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Foundational thing. We need the gospel. We need to know that we're born again. We have full confidence that we're sons and daughters, not because we're perfect, but because we're adopted and we're brought in. Okay? This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, anything according to his will, he hears us. All right? So you got that? If we ask in his will, we have the Father's ears. Like your kids, if your kids are asking for candy, um, first time, might be your will, you get it. But if it's a tenth time in an hour, you say, you're going to be sugar high for days. No, it's not my will. You know, so you don't get it. So uh, if we ask any according to his will, God's ears open. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have, we have what we asked of him. Okay. If it's in his will. So when we're in the word, we're praying. We have these situations. There's nothing in the Bible that ever clarifies that. I have this decision to make. Do I take this job or this job? You know, that kind of thing. We're seeking his will. We're praying. We're, we're in the word. And we know this is what, how the father operates. This is how the kingdom operates. And I'm seeking your will. And I'm asking for this thing because I think it's very important for the kingdom, and it's a role that I have to play. So this is what the centurion knew this morning, that there's authorized, that when we operate in faith, you need to make sure that we are operating under, in God's will, in the place he has for us, whether it's your parenting, 
whatever role you're in, I'll miss your specific role, but some of you got huge questions this morning. You got decisions you got to make. You've got moral issues you're facing. Um, you have things that are going to affect the rest of your life if you're a young person or even an old person. And you're trying to make decisions. There's situations where it's out of control. Uh, what we're doing this morning, we're bringing all those things into the kingdom of God, into the light, into truth, examining my motives, and say, Father, I want your will. I want your will to be done in my life, in my church, in my world today. I want your will, and I'm authorized to bring that to be. And the, the higher your calling, the more scary and intimidating that step of faith is going to be for you this morning. If you're called, like, I did a lot of mentoring for Teen Challenge guys, and there'd be 10 of those guys in the house. They get in each other's hair. If you want to have a crazy house, bring 10 ex-addicts in the same little living quarters and have them try to get along with each other. And I'd men they say, Ken, um, I got horrible, uh, this awful discipline. He used to do discipline. Well, he still do. But got this horrible discipline, and he got off free. I'd say, well, okay, here's the deal. Um, God's got you in this discipline. And do you want to be trained for greatness or for little things? If you're a Navy SEAL, you're going to be trained, you're going to almost die, you're going to run, you're going to do all this stuff and almost kill yourself, but you're being trained for this high level of calling. And, but then there's ordinary people that aren't trained that high. I said, do you want to be trained for ordinary things or great callings? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll take the discipline and kind of work, you know, you learn the tricks of trade. But, but I think that some of you are being trained and called to high things and you're scared to death. If you're a young person, you're scared to death. But if you don't take that step of faith because God's calling you, the church is calling you, there's people calling you into something higher, if you run from that, you're going to be disappointed in yourself down the road. I wouldn't say it'd be your last chance, but as we walk in authorized roles, there's always this intimidation and fear. And I was talking about, you know, being parents can be very intimidating, but God calls us to that. And we can have confidence that if God called me to do it, if it's his will, and I can say, Lord, you, you told me to do this, and I'm doing it. I'm confused. I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on, but I, I'm authorized to be, and I'm going to walk it out by faith. Okay, I'll leave you with that this morning. I want to pray, and then I'm going to turn it back. Father, I thank you for uh, the, what the centurion knew this morning. And, uh, Father, I'm praying for us to understand and grasp the simple truth that that faith is not some crazy, unorthodox thing, but it's based in your will. As we walk out that faith, Lord, that there is a release of your power in each of us to bring order and bring life to our situations. And I pray across this room, Lord, whatever we're facing today, that we would know what the centurion knew this morning, that we can call on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can ask you, and in your will, you hear us, and you do the things that we need this morning. I pray for this church. I pray you bless this body of believers. I pray you bring life and breathe life into this room by your Holy Spirit. I know that's your will. I know we're authorized to ask for those kind of things today. I just pray blessing and favor and life at, at grassroots this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.